Welcome to Fertile Minds Radio. Here you'll find wisdom for your fertility journey and beyond, chosen specifically to help you trust your body and elevate your spirit so you can enjoy the process. Join us and see what a fertile mind feels like. Now your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland. Hello and welcome to another installment of Fertile Minds Radio. I'm your host, Hilary Talbot Rowland. Today on episode 13, we're going to talk about the Maya abdominal massage therapy technique along with vaginal steams. That's right. Steaming your lady parts, giving them a bath, why it might help and why you might want to consider it. It's more than just a giggle on Facebook. My guest today is a dear friend, Jen Pohl. She is a licensed massage therapist here in St. Petersburg, Florida. She received her massage training at Bhakti Academy in 2005. The founders of the school that she went to have since embarked on their own endeavors. However, the bhakti philosophy has held true for Jen all this time. A main focus of the program was self-cultivation and refinement, working on and releasing the therapist's own issues before working on another, which is so, so important when it comes to choosing someone to do energy or healing work on you. This was the beginning of understanding of the importance of self-care for Jen. In 2008, she traveled to the Pacific Northwest to train as a practitioner of the Arvigo techniques of Maya abdominal therapy. Having personally benefited from the techniques, Jen was eager to learn the work and share this ancient healing with others. Jen enjoys working with women in all phases of life, from preconception to menopause. Her passion is empowering women through transformative bodywork. I had the pleasure of working with Jen in a previous practice, so I know firsthand the transformative work she provides as I've referred countless patients, and I've even been a client myself over the years. I remember the first time I received an abdominal massage from you, and the light bulb really went off as to, oh my God, why has no one ever massaged my organs? They probably need just as much attention or more as my muscles. And when I left, I felt about five inches taller. What's really cool is you were in some of my herbal therapy classes that I taught on women's health way back when, and now you've even suggested herbs to me. So I'm so honored to be part of your full circle and super excited you agreed to crack your turtle shell (laughs) and come on the show because women need to hear about what you do, why you do it, and where they can find it, even that they can do it themselves. So let's get on with the show. Welcome, Jen. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks for having me. Again, super excited you're cracking the shell. (laughs) Yes, yes. This is outside of my comfort zone for sure. (laughs) So let's tell our listeners, how did you find Mayan abdominal therapy techniques. I feel like 10 years ago, this wasn't very mainstream. So it must have been somewhat kismet or destiny for you to have fallen upon the teachings of uh, Don Elijo Ponte and Rosita Arvigo. Did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Don Elijo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was in the right place at the right time and around really good people. Um, I was having bad periods and lots of cramps and they were getting worse. And I was working with a skilled midwife, Anne Hirsch, and she had discovered the work and she loved it. And she said, Jen, come see me um, for these techniques. They can help. And they did. And after I thought pretty much every woman I know needs this work. And uh, shortly after, Anne was teaching a self-care workshop, which is the first training that you do. And uh, I went for it. And that was... Um, about 10 years ago now. 
Wow, we are so lucky. So many women in our community have been touched by your work. So I'm so glad you decided to just go for it. Yes, me too. Uh, <laughs> it's been a blessing. So, you know, the Maya abdominal massage technique is kind of a mouthful. So we're going to call it Atmat, their trademark name. Um, and it is a little bit different than just regular, say, fertility massage that you might come across on the internet. So can you explain a little bit more about the history of it to our listeners? Sure. Um, well, what's different about it is, is it a whole technique. Um, so it isn't, um, in addition to the abdominal massage, it's also dietary recommendations, it's lifestyle changes, and there's these homework um, self-care practices um, such as the vaginal steam and castor oil packs. And my favorite, the self-care massage that you're actually taught. And it's something that you can do every day and it puts the healing in your hands. And that's the empowering part. I love that. I think, especially when somebody's on a fertility journey and it's been kind of trying for a while, or you've had to maybe hand your body over to science mm -hmm. for some help, that this can be such a great way to kind of feel like you're doing something about it or gaining some of that control back. And yeah, for sure. It's um, very holistic. It's it's very calming and it feels really good. And so many women, it's amazing that they've never touched their bellies before. And so many don't even know where their uterus is. They Oftentimes, I'll, I'll be working on the upper portion of the abdomen above the navel. And, you know, they'll say, oh, is that my ovaries or, or something? And so it's just amazing that uh, we're kind of so separated from our core, which um, in the Mayan tradition, that's where a woman's center is. And Donna Ligio always said, um, if her uterus is out of position, her whole life will be out of out of whack. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I joke with my husband when he can't find something, I say, hold on, let me turn on my uterine homing device. But it's not really a joke, right? <laughs> that is my center. Mm -hmm. But it's really common for uteruses to be out of place, right? Exactly. Yes. So the uterus isn't fixed. Um, she's suspended by ligaments um, that attach into both hip bones, the pubic bone and the tailbone. And so it's essentially almost like the uterus is in a hammock. So we do a lot of work um, structurally to make sure the hips are even, that one isn't higher than the other, one isn't rotated forward or backwards because that can all affect the placement of the uterus. We also affect the, the nerves of the body because all the nerves that exit through the spinal column are going to innervate not only the digestive organs, but also the reproductive organs. So we want to make sure that um, all the ligaments and um, the nerves are nice and uh, open or free. Yeah. 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 Not, you know, because if the muscles are really tense and there's not a lot of blood flow, which, you know, it is mm -hmm. common to sometimes mm -hmm. hold your tension in your mid or lower back, especially if you sit a lot, right? Well, exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, we don't know anything about that, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's such a a great thing. I think digestion is also such a overlooked important factor in fertility sometimes. Mm -hmm. And this massage actually balances both. I know that my digestion always gets better when I come to see you or mm -hmm. if I'm a good girl and I'm doing my self-care. Yes. <laughs> no problems there at all. Well, you want to make sure that the um, intestines are emptying and flowing because 
there's not a whole lot of space in the pelvic bowl. Um, you're going to have your, your bladder, the uterus, and then directly behind that, the rectum. So if uh, a woman is having a lot of constipation, essentially what your body is trying to eliminate is just being held in the tissue right next to, to the uterus. And that can all um, affect the health of the uterus. So the uh, abdominal massage helps to keep the intestines flowing and emptying and everyone can benefit from that. <laughs> yeah. And the ovaries too, because if you think about follicular genesis and the, the eggs just kind of sitting right there, and if they're sitting, if you haven't gone to the bathroom in a week, you yeah, know, and that happens a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. And they, you know, those little eggs as germ cells depend on the free flowing blood around it to nourish them with all the minerals and uh, blood flow that they need to keep growing, right? All the hormones. Mm -hmm. So if that's obstructed in any way, this can help. So would you say that the goal of the Mayan abdominal massage is then structure and increase blood flow? Like what would you exactly. say the goal is? So yeah, we start with structure, but then also it's all about homeostasis in the body. You know, it sounds like such a simple concept, maintaining balance within. However, so many factors can go into creating an unbalanced system. So with the massage, especially the abdominal portion, we're increasing the five flows. So we have the arterial, the venous, the lymph, the nerve, and the chi in the body, which, um, you know, as an acupuncturist, you know, we all have the energy that flows through our body that is our life. So through doing the massage, removing any, um, helping to dissolve adhesions, helping to return the uterus to its proper position, then we're improving all these flows so that the body can do its job of maintaining homeostasis um, and the balance within. Okay. So you know, we've just briefly touched on digestion and infertility, you know, especially unexplained infertility being some reasons why a woman might want to consider this type of work. But what are some specific um, pathologies or um, conditions that you yourself have seen women benefit from this type of work, especially when they haven't been able to find answers elsewhere? Um, sure. Well, first off, um, definitely cysts in the ovaries, because when we improve the flows, uh, then the body is able to eliminate those uh, follicular cysts that can sometimes um, hang on and then cause issues. They're usually released every month, but sometimes not. Um, fibroids also, we can do some good work, <clears throat> excuse me, with fibroids. Basically, anytime we're increasing the flows, it, we don't get too hung up on the pathology because what we're doing is maintaining balance. So when we increase the flows, when we get the uterus to the proper position, when we address structural issues, when we clean up the diet, when we employ the rainforest remedies, and a woman does her self-care massage, we do the castor oil packs, the vaginal steams, we're going to create a, a body that is in balance and it's able to do its job you know, with fibroids, are we going to eliminate a, you know, a large cantaloupe sized fibroid um, with this massage? No, <laughs> but I have seen women be able to maintain their lives in a healthy way and get the fibroid stabilized where it doesn't grow any longer. And if she is, uh, you know, actively trying to conceive, then she may have 
that fibroid removed. And this work helps to support her all through that. So when we create a healthy environment, then the doctors are able to do their jobs also and uh, remove what isn't assisting the woman in her fertility journey. What about men? Because I always forget mm-hmm. that men can get this yes, massage. <laughs> I know. We focus so much on women. And uh, yeah, uh, men definitely can benefit as well. It uh, affects the prostate in the same uh, manner as the uterus. So it increases the flows through the body to the prostate and helps to relieve congestion that occurs in the tissue from um just build up, you know, every movement of our body creates a byproduct. And if we aren't actively releasing that through yoga, through belly breathing, through walking, through a healthy lifestyle, then it starts to accumulate in the tissue. And we start to um, find these, what we call in, you know, our healing world blockages or stagnation, Mm -hmm. which affect um, the health of the body. And also I'd like to say too, that while when I teach women the self-care portion, I really think it's important for them to do the work themselves, you know, to get in tune with themselves and reconnect with their center and connect their mind with their their uterus. Um, sometimes I like to invite as a couple for them to do it for each other because it's a great way to connect with each other. And yeah. also it's a good little foreplay technique as well, you know, especially with fertility so much is like, it's time, I'm ovulating, let's do this now, you know? <laughs> right? And this is a nice way to, it's more of a ritual, you know, and not less of a job and uh Yeah. Yeah. I tell my patients all the time when I'm explaining to them like why they should go see you that that they're going to learn the self-care and they're going to do it most nights. And I, and sometimes the light bulb will go off of like, "Hmm, maybe my husband would do this for me. Yeah. And I say, you know, it doesn't take very long. They're going to, and like two or three nights, they're going to be like, what are you doing over there? (laughs) Can I get in on some of that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's okay to include the men. Yes. Yes. Um, And I think that's so important what you said about reconnecting. That's one of the main times that I'll send a woman to you is when I feel like they have kind of divorced themselves from their body or they're living solely in their head, Mm -hmm. especially after, you know, recurring miscarriages, or maybe they've been through a failed IVF and they just, it's like they don't even want to acknowledge that that part of their body is alive, which actually Mm -hmm. creates more blockages, believe it or not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of women are afraid to touch themselves too in the belly. Um, So it's this whole process of self-exploration and acceptance. You know, that's a big thing also because when I'm teaching the woman a self-care portion, oftentimes they just are like, what is that? Oh my gosh, I've never felt that before. What is that? What is that? What is that? You know, and, uh, you know, that could be lunch from yesterday (laughs) where we do a lot of work on the intestines. So um, there's that. And then the uh, other part is, you know, non-judgment. So when you're doing the massage, yeah, just make note of it. Yeah, there's there's something there. Let's check on that tomorrow and see. But, you know, non-judgment, because we get judgment from everywhere. And so sometimes we just have to approach ourselves and look at ourselves with non-judging eyes and acceptance of where we are and, you know, definitely a visualization of where we want to go. Um, and then connecting the two with healthy practices like abdominal massage. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And even I've, I've done some of the meditations from the RVGO yeah. site, the, the blue door, I think mm-hmm. is what they and call the it. Uterine and- meditation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rosita has um, 
she just is a really really neat lady so i love listening to those and hearing her voice and um she's kind of the voice of the uterus (laughs) (laughs) she is i think we owe her a lot and a lot of people don't realize that this technique no one would know about it if it wasn't for Rosita, right? It is so true. So much work goes in still to this work being available to us. And it is a beautiful combination of ancient healing knowledge based off of her 10 years apprenticeship with Donna Ligio Ponti in Belize. And uh, up until the age of 103, by the way, he when he was still treating patients up till 103 when he um, passed away, um, which is just amazing. And a little segue on him, you know, he was he was practically blind, yet he could go out in the bush and identify the plants that they needed for their day's healing. He never learned to read or write, yet he, from memory, could explain the uses, cultivation, how to prepare over 500 different medicinal herbs, which I just think is amazing. Um, So back to Rosita, she worked with him for over 10 years. And um, she I mean, she would travel two hours each way, you know, over stream, up a mountain, back down, literally to get to his hut to help him do his healings. Um, Rosita's background is in napropathy. So she is a doctor of ligaments, similar to how chiropractor is a doctor of joints. Um, It's not a practice that is licensed or a lot of people know about. Um, The school for napropathy is in Chicago, and there's only a couple other states um, where that is licensed. And I always find that curious. You know, I feel like the chiropractors have a stronghold on (laughs) on that um, because, you know, medical massage would be a pretty amazing thing. Um, But anyway, she had this scientific background of the body of the ligaments, how everything is held in place, how how it functions and works. And she was able to blend that information with what she was observing um, Don Eligio do with his healings and um, how often he would work in the belly for many complaints such as urinary issues, fertility, menstrual complaints, um, and digestive concerns as well. Yeah, 10 years. She was like steadfast. I remember when you gave me the, is it Sastoon? Sastoon, Is the book that describes all of this. And I, because I was just so fascinated after that first massage I had with you way back when. And I was just kind of intrigued by her ability to not quit because she begged him to teach her. Yes, for a couple of years. And he he said no, right? would turn her away and said, you're you're a gringo, you're an American, you're just going to learn the information and, you know. And you're a woman, right? And Right, and not help my people, you know, and she was um, very persistent and finally (laughs) because he was really really busy one day and overwhelmed with all his patients that would come from many different villages all around travel for hours to get to his little healing hut a very very humble modest healing facility Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, he finally agreed because she was there and he needed help and uh, and there it was you know and and that they had a, a relationship for over 
10 years of, of healing together. That's amazing. And she does, I mean, her headquarters are now in Belize, right? Yep, Belize. And then in the States, um, they're in New Hampshire. So okay. um, she does a lot of teaching engagements and speaking engagements and um, constant, constant trainings. Um, she's starting to retire, you know, kind of slow down and hand over the reins to her teachers who she's been training for many years now as well. Um, but she's still very active. And the, um, the work is actually international. You can pretty much find a practitioner wherever you are. Um, and if you live in somewhere remote, at least, you know, there's probably going to be someone um, at the nearest urban center or, you know, city near you. Um, and you can find a practitioner at rvigotherapy.com. And you can just search uh, your location and all the practitioners will, will pop up. Okay. I think that's great to let our listeners know because it is a it does require quite a bit of training to get this certification, and I feel like it is a higher quality than sometimes what you just find for fertility massage, maybe on the internet. Um, so finding a professional to help you and, and teach you the self-care, I think, can make all the difference in the world. And if you're listening and you're in the Tampa Bay area, you can find Jen at Thank You Mama, which is here in St. Petersburg, an awesome uh, wellness center that we send people to all the time. Yes, because there's do. someone for everyone. And it's beautiful because. Yeah, it works really well with acupuncture. Um, so it can be a standalone technique. And also it works as a partnership with other techniques and therapies you may be exploring. You know, I don't say that I'm the be all end all of your fertility journey, but um, this work is a beautiful, beautiful part of your your journey and, and works well with acupuncture, like I said, but also with the medical world, if you are pursuing IVF, then we can definitely support you during that as well. And it's a beautiful counterbalance to what you may be getting and experiencing through IVF in the Western medical world. So yeah, I love sending IVF patients to you because oftentimes they feel helpless and this is a way to reconnect to their body and to feel like they're doing something to maybe potentially have to take less drugs to stimulate because they're increasing circulation. And that little intimacy piece that we were talking about, because, you know, oftentimes your relations with your partner get all out of whack when you're going through IVF because you can, you can't. And, you know, to, to just have the touch involved, mm -hmm. I think is, is super important. Yeah. And reclaiming some of the, the power because oftentimes with IVF, it's a surrender process as, I mean, but it all, all really is <laughs> yeah. a surrendering process. But, um, you know, especially with IVF, you know, women feel like they're having things done to them. Um, and this massage is just a, a nice uh, approach and um, kind of gives you a little bit more of your, your power back and, and puts the healing in your hands. Okay, so like you said in the beginning, there are a lot more elements to this, to the, the at-mat, right? It's not just the massage. They have their own system of herbs, which I've only dabbled in. I find it fascinating, the South American herbs, um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But no, we're going to talk about my favorite part, <laughs> I the vaginal steams. <laughs> yes. I remember about five years ago, I got this group Facebook messenger and it was one of our girlfriends forwarding an article that had gone viral on vaginal steams. And she was like, 
WTF? Is this real? Like you're the lady doctor. (laughs) And, you know, I had to giggle a bit because this is something I'd been doing and prescribing for a while. And I I know we just think it's so normal. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, of course you would do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which, you know, if I think back to the first time I did it, I was like, mortified. I didn't want anybody in my house to ask what I was boiling those (laughs) herbs up for, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it actually feels quite nice. And uh, I I think they all got a little um, stocking stuffer of vaginal steam herbs for me that year. (laughs) Yeah, well, first off, it's something that's been done for, you know, hundreds and thousands of years um, by many different cultures. I love that when there's a similarity between different traditional healings in completely different parts of the world. Um, So it's just human intuition and doing what works over time, you know, finding what we have available to us and what works. And so how am I going to improve the health of the uterus? How do I increase circulation? Well, we all know that warmth increases circulation. Um, How do I get the herbs into the body a different way other than just ingesting the herbs? So vaginal steam is used in places like Korea. And then uh, with the Mayan massage, of course, it's Central America um, from Belize in the Mayan culture. And um, so the uterus is very permeable. So when a woman sits over a steaming pot of herbs, the essential oils, and this is different than essential oils you get from the store. Okay. So you never want to steam with essential oils like a lavender that you get from Walgreens or something like that. Um, that would be bad and could hurt you. Um, that would burn the tissue, right? Yeah, That's how soft definitely. Because it's so, so, so concentrated in that form. But what we're talking about is there's oils in the plants um, that have the healing properties. So they're released through the steam and they're able to travel through the vagina and the warmth and the herbs uh, penetrate the uterus and it goes directly into the bloodstream. So it's another way to get the healing benefits of herbs into the body. In addition, it's increasing circulation. It's very relaxing. It's tonifying to the pelvic floor. And most women who have had this technique Well, I offer it in in office now. For many years, I had women use their toilet at home because everyone has a toilet, or you can have these slatted chairs or create a stool of your own. Um, But like I said, most women have a toilet, so that was the easiest way. And and that was fine for many years. Um, And then I just got this really cool unit, (laughs) my Shakti Spa, that um, is awesome. You just plug it in and put the herbs in and it's really um, controlled because that's the other thing when you do it at home, you just really have to be careful about the heat because you'll test it on your wrist and you'll think, oh, that's fine. But um, your wrist isn't quite as sensitive as your vaginal tissue is. So you'll do this little dance of sitting on it and be like, oh, that's too hot. Yeah. You know, and back and forth and back, back and forth. With the unit in the office, it's just a controlled temperature and it's this infrared heat. So it's like really, really cool. And every woman is like, when can I do that again, basically? Yeah. And they want to do it all the time. So there's different times of this cycle and different reasons we do it. Um, a lot of times I will do it before this cycle. If a woman is having kind of sluggish to start periods, um, or maybe they have a lot of 
dark, thick blood in the beginning. And we'll do the steam then to encourage the the period to to start and to help to help release some of the buildup in the uterus um, that's creating that dark, thick blood. With that said, if a woman's having really heavy periods, we wouldn't want to do the steam right before because it does increase the blood flow. So it could actually increase the blood that she's already, you know, having an excessive amount of bleeding. So if you're having just general stuff, yes, vaginal steam, you can DIY it in, you know, there's lots of info. Um, Hillary's going to give you some info as well. But if you have more specific issues going on, I would reach out to a practitioner who who has used this and understands it so that, you know, you don't hurt yourself or cause more issues um, as a result. Well, yeah. And I think too, when you, I mean, the internet's awesome and it can teach you all kinds of things. And I, I see where people can buy vaginal steams, you know, the ingredients for them. But if you're going to someone that is really skilled in using this therapy as a diagnosis based on what you specifically have going on, I feel like you're going to save yourself time. Mm-hmm. And time is always just so important, especially when we're talking fertility. about fertility, yeah. right? So, you know, what, yeah, you might think you're doing it at the right time, but they might really key in on the exact right time or the exact right herbs to mm-hmm. use. Because I do notice that on the internet, it's kind of been taken over. I, I feel like Chinese medicine takes over everything and it's like, no, use our herbs. They're better, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I see, you know, Donghuai mm-hmm. and, and mugwort mm-hmm. is, you know, a lot of what you can buy out there. Um, and, and just because that's what's in my pharmacy, if I put one together, I tend to use that. But there, you know, you'll put together a bunch of the South American herbs, which are amazing sometimes and used for this, right? Or the Western herbs like motherwort or um, Powadarko, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yarrow is a good one. Calendula, oregano, basil. Those are um, some of the traditional ones used in the uh, Mayan abdominal massage steams. Other times that I use it is mid-cycle around ovulation. And we'll use some different herbs for that, not as um, cleansing or stringing herbs, but more just um, nourishing and warming herbs to create and encourage a nice ovulation and more cervical fluid. Big, big, big disclaimer do not do the vaginal steam if there is any chance of pregnancy because that could cause that to not work. Um, and that's not not happy. And, uh, and you only want to do the steam if you're actively trying to conceive way before your ovulation or your, you attempt to conceive, you have intercourse way before that, or at the end of your period when you definitely know that you weren't pregnant and in I like to use it then personally, and it is just and feels complete. Feels like I had my period, and I'm going to do my steam that night right after I finish, and it just feels like everything is nice and emptied and clean, and I'm ready to start a new a new cycle. And I've done that three cycles in a row now, and I've kind of feel like if I don't do it, it doesn't feel like I'm complete and done. Um, so. I'm, I'm really liking to use the steam at that time, particularly. What an awesome way to, to ritualize your period, right? And mm-hmm. to, to do some self-care at a time when you really need it yet. What else do you do besides lay flat on your back of the heating pad and read a book, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want, usually don't want to take a bath then. And so that's pretty yeah. amazing, especially if you're trying to help your psyche celebrate your period, even when 
it's mm, not something yes. that you're wanting to come because you're trying to exactly. get pregnant, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's, yeah, because so many women then get mad at their body. It's like their right. body is um, letting them down. And I mean, it's just, it's so hard and, and you know, fertility, um, I love supporting women through that, but um, it's it's a hard thing to work with and watch because, you know, some women that you're working with that want it so bad and you know they would be such a good mom and parent and why isn't it working, you know, and uh, and it's hard. It is because uh, you really want it for, for them also. And um, I just have to go back to we're going to do the work and we're going to get the woman as healthy as she can be and feeling good. And uh, what Rosita always says is a mother or a woman's health is the first prize and the baby is actually the second prize. And that's really what we have to focus on because I'm not the creator and mm -hmm. I don't know why things work for some people and they don't for others. There, That is one thing there really doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason no. for. So you know, really focusing on yourself and knowing that that will be your safety net. You know, if it doesn't work the way you want it to turn out, you'll have the safety net of investing in yourself and, you know, so that you can go forward then and maybe create whatever else it is that you are, you know, brought here to create that may not just be a baby. Right. You know? Yeah, it's, um, I agree. It is definitely a hard thing to not get attached to the outcome. You know, even when it's not us trying, you know, we, you know, we love our patients so much and we, we want what they want, but mm -hmm. it is, you know, it's our job as their healthcare facilitator to kind of bring them back to the actionable steps that they can take into the present moment and to that idea of really you're here for you. Right. And the baby might be secondary, but to, to be as healthy as you can, because you never know when you are going to be gifted with that opportunity of being a parent, however that shows up. And you want to be healthy and ready. And you want to have these healthy practices in place of taking care of yourself because yes. that teaches your children. <laughs> so true. So true. And it all goes back to self-care. So starting self-care prenatally, you know, kind of tending the soil, getting it ready for, for planting and growth. But also um, self-care has to continue because that was my biggest problems after having babies is the self-care kind of stopped. You know, everything went to the kids and um, to work and, <laughs> you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time for self-care. And that's when my thyroid went bonkers. And, you know, I really had to come back to taking care of investing in myself so that I could do the work that I need to do. Yeah. I mean, same experience, even being a step parent, it's, it's so overwhelming and it's this, there's this innate desire to want to put everybody else first. Right. And to just cross yourself off the lift. Cause it's kind of seemingly like there's never any time. Mm -hmm. and, and then your body will make it that yes. you have no option except to make time for it. Yes. I, I too had that year of, <laughs> hell physically. <laughs> and now I have what I call tiger time. One Ooh. day, one day a month of, of self-care and I am, I am fiercely protective over it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's me with my sleep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You got to pick the things that work for you and, and, and I say schedule it because if mm -hmm. it's 
you know, and you know this with me being a patient of yours from time to time, if I walk out of your office and I'm not rescheduled, <laughs> yeah, it might be a year before I know. Right. Life just keeps going. You know, time is, uh, is flying by. So we definitely have to carve out those, those times for ourselves. And, um, and then we can be better partners, better parents, just yeah. better, better people, better humans in the world. <laughs> so I do want to touch too on, um, some of those times that you would or would not do the the steam. Yes. Because it can feel like after a miscarriage, it would be super important to maybe do that mm-hmm. right away. But you say wait three weeks until you make sure everything is out. Well, you just want to definitely be um, done bleeding and make sure there's no chance of infection. And, um, and then it should be a good next step to kind of create a clean slate. Um, but also sometimes we're not sure when the period's going to come right after um, mm-hmm. w- after that. So that might be a better time to employ your acupuncturist and use those herbs to really get back on a schedule. And then we can do the steam when we have a better idea of when your period's going to come, you know, to be on the, the absolute safe side. Right. Um, some other things, yeah, you never want to have any chance of pregnancy. Um, when you do a steam, um, no infections or um, damp, moist heat in the pelvis. So things like candida or yeast infections, bacterial infections, herpes outbreak. Um, Also, we don't do the steam if you have an IUD because that's metal and metal conducts heat and that would burn your tissue. Um, Also, you know, women can take out vaginal piercings and things like that, but it's the same idea. You'd have to take those out never do the steam during menstruation because again, it can increase blood flow and then excessively heavy periods. Okay. And post-delivery after a baby, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll do this is six to eight weeks. Yeah. Usually after, after um, you're done bleeding. Um, most women have been checked out by their physicians or um, midwives. And then it's a really nice practice for toning the, the pelvic floor and, um, and getting uh, everything on a more healing track. Yes. So you don't pee when you sneeze, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that definitely happens. So yeah, with that, there's, you know, we do the abdominal massage to help um, begin improving the blood flow to the ligaments again, because ligaments take um, a long time to heal. Um, so that's oftentimes why it's suggested that women wait um, about two years for uh, getting pregnant again. Um, is because the ligaments need a long time to heal. And so you may feel fine, but those ligaments, you may have lost all the weight, but yet you're in the gym and you're peeing every time you do a jumping jack or something. And it's mostly that the ligaments still aren't um, healed and there's techniques that we can do to help with that. Yeah, because the ligaments and tendons don't have their own blood supply like the muscles, so they depend on circulation. So I can see where the the abdominal massage would inc- speed that healing mm-hmm. for sure. And then, you know, we keep kind of alluding to it, but this is a very ritualized practice, right? The steam, or it can be if you want it to be that way, right? Yeah, it can. But it's very approachable for many different women. It can be as ritualized as you want or for the busy, you know, corporate woman, you know, she can pop in during her lunch break and and have her steam. And, you know, we have to meet people where they are, you know, because some people, when we talk, when we get to ritual and, you know, honoring thyself and things like that, it makes them uncomfortable. Not everybody is there um, 
sure. spiritually. And so we have to meet women where they are and make it accessible to everybody. And it can become their own. They'll have their own aha moments. True. You know, now, I have a lot of women that will say, you know, I, I won't, I won't tell women like pray over your herbs or anything like that, <laughs> right, right? which we do. Right. <laughs> but I, I have a lot of women that will come back to me and they'll, they'll have kind of had an aha moment of, oh my gosh, how long has it been since I've done something just for me? Or I was putting all these plants together to steam them and I I had this aha moment of these plants were put here for me and to be able to see my own medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And to take part in that, which is Mm -hmm. oftentimes very different than what's been happening to them in the Western healthcare Mm -hmm. model. Yeah, and and when women start connecting with their core and their body and their uterus and paying attention, she will get more of those insights and um, the spiritual (laughs) awakenings so to say. Yeah. So yeah, take this however you want to with ritual, but you know, ritualizing your period or the closure of pregnancy ending and motherhood starting, that's one that women miss. They, I think they wake up five years later and go, oh, mm-hmm. I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. It's like that pass them by or, or, you know, giving ritual to miscarriage, right? To have closure to it, to to honor whatever being was there. And, you know, and even, even if you're not trying to get pregnant, like cutting ties with ex lovers. Yeah. That's why Mm -hmm. I gave it in stocking stuffers to my friends. (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. And that's, what's so cool about being a woman is we have a monthly chance to cleanse and release and start anew. Men don't really get that. No, which I think is a little bit why women are more in tune with their body and Mm -hmm. seemingly have higher thresholds of discomfort or pain. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I'm not big on expectations. I like to just take things as they come. But I do feel like maybe we should talk about what could happen with a period with after you do a steam and a period. Because sometimes, at least this has been my experience, you know, TMI, you see some stuff come out that you might mm-hmm. not normally see. Yeah. And as long as it's used at the appropriate times um, and it's not excessive, those are all welcomed changes. So the steam, again, is going to help the uterus to slough off buildup that can be impeding implantation. And so often it has to come out somewhere, right? So it may come out through the next period where you might see tissue built actual uh grounds. Um, You can see all kinds of things. And we warn the woman in the session that she might experience that. And uh, Rosita always says a better an empty apartment than a lousy tenant. um, Because (laughs) that that stuff isn't serving us, right? You know, the if and also um, with the placement of the uterus. So if the uterus is out of position, so I mean, there are different types of positions it can be in. It can be be laying on the left or the right. It can be dipped forward. It can be very low in the pelvis, can be slid back, um, kind of resting on the the colon, can actually actually be flipped backwards. So you can imagine how much work the uterus has to go through to try to get that blood out every month, you know? And so by doing the abdominal massage, by doing the steam, we're helping the uterus cleanse and release. And again, with the placement of the uterus, so often women will, I'll say, oh, has anyone ever told you you have a tilted uterus? And they say, oh yeah, the doctor did. And, or someone during a vaginal um, exam and it's no big deal. But if the doctor is having a hard time finding, or your midwife um, is having a hard time finding your cervix, think about 
the little sperm right. trying to find where is it, you know? Yeah, because they have quite the journey, much like Rosita did over streams, right? <laughs> right? Through the forest they go. Yes, yes. Let's let's make their path a little easier for them. <laughs> so when a woman has been given the offhand diagnosis of a tilted uterus, is that where it's flipped or is it just laying back on the rectum? It Well, oftentimes they'll just use the term tilted um, to describe all of that. all of those, yeah. Uh, so it can be any one of those, um, and they can change too. Again, the uterus isn't fixed. Um, ideally, sometimes when it gets fixed in those positions, it takes a little longer to um, encourage the uterus to get back to the center position. But different things that we do. I mean, every day we're dealing with gravity. Okay, <laughs> so there's that. Oftentimes, women are wearing high heels that can affect the placement of the uterus. Also running on hard surfaces, um, falls to the sacrum, you know, being rear-ended. You know, we talk about whiplash in the neck, but there's also whiplash in the uterus. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, and also trauma um, and stress. If, you know, if you're in a bad relation relationship, if there's abuse or past abuse, the uterus actually will retreat mm -hmm. and almost essentially hide. Um, so there are many reasons why the uterus can be out of place. And ideally, um, it doesn't get fixed. But by doing the self-care every day, we can address things like, oh, I had to wear my high heels today for a special nice. interview or something. Um, so I'm going to do my self-care, get her back in position. Or, you know, I was I was doing all those jumping jacks because I can and I'm not peeing myself anymore. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to do my self-care. So it's just this tool that you'll have always and you use it when you need, you know, you might, yeah. when you're trying to conceive, use it every day. And then when you go throughout your life, it will come always be there when you need it. And scar tissue is another one that I see, right? So if someone's had laparoscopic endometrial tissue removal or that appendix taken out when they were 10, the, the scar tissue can actually cause the adhesions to get the uterus to be rather stuck, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. breaking up the scar tissue, and in that case, mm -hmm. you might use castor oil packs exactly. with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And the uterus, you know, the uterus and the fallopian tubes and the ovaries are all connected through the broad ligament. So where the uterus goes, so does the the fallopian tubes and the, the ovaries. So the uterus is out of position, it could be actually laying on the ovaries. Mm -hmm. And so or twisting, right? So then that whole hormonal feedback loop from the ovaries to the brain that tells you when to ov ovulate and um, sense those messages can be impeded. So yep. it's important to, to uh, get the uterus we're back home. And I think it's uh, quite fascinating, too, that in Chinese medicine, they call the uterus one of the curious organs. Mm -hmm. So the brain, mm -hmm. the gallbladder, and the uterus are curious organs. And they're in this kind of classification of their own. And yes, I compared your brain to your uterus. <laughs> but what's in interesting is that they can empty and fill at will, right? Mm -hmm. So whether you're talking about neurotransmitters or having a baby or menstrual blood or bile in the, in the gallbladder, they are oftentimes kind of an indicator to the outside world, to the inside body of what's happening. And they will kind of shut down or run when there's been energetic trauma, just like our brain shuts down in kind of a self-protective depression sometimes mm -hmm. to protect us or anxiety. Yeah. So yeah. Innate intelligence. That's right. You heard it here first. Your uterus is just as important as your brain, ladies. <laughs> Okay, so we've covered a lot of information today. 
in the show notes at ladypotions.com backslash episode 13. Like we said, there'll be a, a list in case you are versed with this and you want to do it yourself and as well as the links of where to find Jen and where to find a skilled Arvigo practitioner anywhere in the world. And we'll list some of those herbs that we use and where to find them. You can actually buy them from the arvigotherapy.com, right? Yes, you can. They have a full website and a shopping carts and you can purchase herbs and uh, you can actually purchase a steaming stool if you like. Yes. Um, there as well. <laughs> it's not the Shakti, though. It's not the Shakti spot. But <laughs> <laughs> got my infrared lighting. Right. <laughs> okay. Was well, there anything else that you want to just drive home to our listeners today? If you had one tip of self-care or on a journey to fertility or if you already are a mom. I I think what I've learned through my whole journey um, is to trust my body that even when my body isn't exactly doing what I want it to do, and while I initially might feel let down or just not supported by my body, that in hindsight, it was doing exactly what it needed to do to get my attention to make some changes and to really invest in myself um, so that I can keep giving to others and keep it all flowing inside and out. You're such a great giver and an awesome practitioner and mom. We thank you for listening today. We know your time is your most valuable asset. We hope that we've provided some information you can use right away. And if you know another woman that would be uplifted by this, please pass it on or leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That's how you find us these days. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Fertile Minds Radio, hosted at www.ladyportions.com, where you'll find past episodes, show notes, and free meditations. If you've benefited from what you've heard, leave a comment or review so it makes it easier for others to find this valuable wisdom. Let's help elevate each other. Thanks for listening.